Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, Mary Beth Finster, and Julie Musselman. We are on day 23 of preparation for consecration to Jesus Christ through his mother, through Our Lady. And we are reading, we haven't mentioned this in a few days, I don't think, but we are actually reading from the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. It is a do-it-yourself retreat. Now, it is a loose reading, and we almost sound a little bit like we're just having a conversation or we just know all this information. We really don't. We're reading it. You can get your copy of the book at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We are on page 89, which is day 23 of the book written by Father Michael Gately. Today is day 23, and our topic for today, we're in the week of St. John Paul II, and the title is Maternal Mediation. As one of our guides to Consecration Day, St. John Paul II is a triple gift. Not only is he a Marian saint, like our other three guides, Not only is he brilliant and thoroughly trained in theology, like de Montfort and Colby, but he is also a pope. Therefore, his words carry the teaching authority of the successor of St. Peter and the authoritative weight of an ecumenical council. Well, this is true in the sense that his teaching on the Mother of God are deeply rooted in the authoritative Mariology of the Second Vatican Council. Because of his dependence on the council, Before we look to John Paul II's teaching on Marian consecration, let's see what the Council has to say about Mary. Tomorrow, we will begin to ponder how John Paul builds on Vatican II's teaching. One can find the the main Marian teachings of Vatican II in the last chapter of the dogmatic constitution of the Church, known by its Latin title, Lumen Gentium. The heart of these teachings has to do with what's usually called Mary's maternal mediation. Maternal mediation basically means that Mary is our spiritual mother, hence maternal, who assists us from heaven with her prayers and motherly care to help bring us to God, hence mediation. While the term maternal should be familiar, mediation might need some explaining. A mediator is someone who stands between two people for the sake of bringing them into unity. Jesus Christ is a mediator. He is the one who, after the fall, stands between God and fallen humanity to bring us back into communion with God. And there's only one. As St. Paul makes clear, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. And that's from 1 Timothy 2.5. But if there's one, only one mediator between God and man, and if that one mediator is Jesus Christ, then why does the Second Vatican Council describe Mary as a mediator? Because God is generous. <laughs> In other words, Jesus doesn't keep his role as mediator to himself. He wants Mary, and not just Mary, but all Christians, to share in his one mediation, though in subordinate ways. For instance, each of us shares in Christ's one mediation when we pray for one another in Christ. And, you know, Father Gately mentioned a similar point in the introduction when he wrote that God wants all of us to participate in his work of salvation. He also mentioned that Mary has a uniquely important role in this work. Again, according to Vatican II, this special role is captured by the phrase maternal mediation. Among creatures, Mary's role in the ongoing work of salvation is by far the most important. She was given such an important role, not from some inner necessity on God's part, but from the divine pleasure. 
Again, we see God's generosity in including us in the work of redemption. We, the very same creatures he came to redeem. And now we're going to read from the following passage from Lumen Gentium, which summarizes Mary's cooperation in this work, both when she was on earth now and in heaven. And when you translate Lumen Gentium, that actually means light of the nations. The Blessed Virgin was on this earth, the Virgin Mother of the Redeemer, and above all others, and in a singular way, the generous associate and humble handmaid of the Lord. She conceived, brought forth, and nourished Christ. She presented him to the Father in the temple, and was united with him by compassion as he died on the cross. In this singular way, she cooperated by her obedience, faith, hope, and burning charity in the work of our Savior in giving back supernatural life to souls. Wherefore, she is our mother in the order of grace. This maternity of Mary in the order of grace began with a consent which she gave in faith at the Annunciation, and which she sustained without wavering beneath the cross, and lasts until the eternal fulfillment of all the elect. Taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside the Selvitic duty, but by her constant intercession, continued to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. By her maternal charity, she cares for the brethren of her son, who still journey on earth, surrounded by dangers and difficulties, until they are led to happiness of their true home. Therefore, the Blessed Virgin is invoked by the Church under the titles of Advocate, Auxiliatrix, Adjutrix, and Mediatrix. This, however, is to be so understood that it neither takes away from nor adds anything to the dignity and efficaciousness of Christ. So, while on earth, Mary cooperated with God's plan of salvation above all others, particularly by giving birth to and caring for Jesus. Now in heaven, Mary still cooperates in a special way in God's plan of salvation. Through her constant intercession and maternal charity, she brings us grace, mercy, and the gifts of eternal salvation. Tomorrow we'll begin to see how John Paul develops this teaching on Mary's motherhood in the order of grace. For now, we can reflect on this great gift of God. Mary is our spiritual mother whose God-given task is to nurture us with tender care and the gifts and graces that come to us through her loving prayers. And today we'll pray and meditate upon this prayer. Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary, fill my heart with praise to God for giving me Mary as my spiritual mother. Amen. Mary, you did a great job reading that large quote from Lincentium. <laughs> <laughs> now you're ready to read it in Latin. <laughs> so we don't want to be afraid by long passages or by Latin words, Lumen Gentium, because um, we're here to kind of help you get through some of these and, and be a guide. And, and just, uh, I think, first of all, Father Gately does a tremendous job of making difficult things simple in general. But uh, it is good to know that we're, we're going to source documents of the heart of the church, that Lumen Gentium is one of the documents from Vatican II, Vatican II being the uh, church's council that was opened in 1959 or 60 by St. John the 23rd and then closed, I believe, in 1963 or 64. So during those four years, the bishops and cardinals of the church met periodically to look at the, the state of the church and the state of the world at that time and once again reiterate what the church has always taught but bring forth all of those teachings in a new and fresh manner. 
And so the fact that they specifically wrote this document, The Light of Nations, Lumen Gentium, and commented about Our Lady and her how she mediates for us with Christ is very important. We should give a lot of uh, credence and meditation to this particular quote. And Mary, you read about five words, the advocate, uh, all those big words. And Don't ask I, me to say them again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the two words that really strike me as kind of summing all that up is on page 92 at the top of the page when Father Gately uses intercession and maternal charity. That just warms me. That just makes me feel the depth of those words that our mother is is helping us, is embracing us with her charity. I mean, who do we go to? We, we want anyone that acts as a mother figure. If it's not our own mothers, then that person, that friend that embraces us when we need, when we've, we're ready to cry over something, mm-hmm. that's what those words mean to me and help me to understand Mary's role as mediator. Wow, I'm really anxious to start breaking this down. I'm excited to see where Carol's going to take us today in our retreat companion. Our discussion questions are coming up here just shortly on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Do want to remind you, though, if you do not have your copy of your retreat materials yet, you can get them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. Today's daily prayer is Come Holy Spirit, Living in Mary. Fill my heart with praise to God for giving Mary as my spiritual mother. Our prayer for the week is the Magnificat, and I found a neat rendition of it, an acapella version, done by a group called Zogroup, Z-O-E-G-R-O-U-P. Their website's zogroup.org. I actually found the song uploaded to YouTube at SurfingGary007 YouTube site. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my soul magnifies the Lord.
Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster. We are getting into the retreat companion. This is some, I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit deep. How do you ladies feel about that? Do you feel this is a little bit deeper? St. John Paul II only knows one depth, and it's deep. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully the questions will help us unpack this and make it a little more clear for us. Question number one on page 97 of the retreat companion. Mediators stand between persons or parties to bring unity and agreement. They speak to each side, clarify issues, seek concessions, and urge acceptance for each. With whom and in which relationships do you act as a mediator, or do you avoid such a role? And if so, why? Are you successful in the attempts to bring unity to two friends, coworkers, or family members? What role does mercy or charity play in your mediation? Definitely mediator between husband and kids. Between kids and kids, all day long. I have an envision of between my, siblings. I have an envision of myself in a black and white referee shirt with a whistle. <laughs> you have a whistle? I do because it, it, it's these questions. While they, some of them can seem mm-hmm. very theological or deep, and, and cause us to reflect on some very tough terms, I, I find how they really pull out the vocation that we are in in our particular setting right now, and I see how every bit of, of wife and mother, I'm constantly uh, with, with, with the children, of course, and, and, and oftentimes it's when they come to you with one thing and, and then one parent says another, you know, you're mediating between them, but then when you have you know, friends or family, that those are sometimes even more difficult situations. I, I don't mind mediating, I guess, as if it has a good outcome. I hate the bad outcome ones where I don't feel like I have uh, a peace. Uh, I haven't brought peace to the situation. Right. I, I think of, um, as you were reading from the book, Mary, the different titles of Our Lady from Lumen Gentium, and one of them is Mediatrix, which just means a female mediator, basically the Sub, the tricks part of it just means that, that it's a woman. Um, I didn't know that, Julie. Thanks for clarifying. A stand between. So I know, unfortunately, way too many people who ha- are in the process of divorce or have gotten divorced. And what is one of the things you do in that process? You go possibly to a mediator, a mediator. to try to mm-hmm. help you work out things before all the lawyers go crazy and and do even more. And uh, one of my dear friends that I kind of walked her journey with her, you know, that mediation process was so hard because she and her husband had extremely difficult, different views of what should happen there. And I I Mm -hmm. could just imagine being the mediator in that role of trying to listen to both and, you know, get those two parties to come somewhere in the middle I think that would be such a demanding role, and to have that as your your job that you got paid for would be particularly hard. What's great about Our Lady as mediator is she brings the fullness of grace that she has, her immaculate conception, her maternal love as a mother for us, her errant and wounded and prideful children, and she takes that and stands perfectly to join us back to Jesus who, of course, is God and is all-merciful in the love that he wants to give us. So most of her work is with us. We're the ones that are wounded and broken and getting us back mm-hmm. to the Father. And it makes perfect sense because if division is, de- is the devil, anything that divides 
is typically coming from the devil. It makes perfect sense that Mary, united with the Holy Spirit, God unites, and anything with Mary in it is going to hopefully create unifying spirit between people. That's interesting that you bring up the tactics of the devil, Mary Beth, because division, scattering, confusion, those things are always from evil. And it's Mm -hmm. Mary that helps, as you just said, unify, give clarity, give peace. Peace. Yeah. I just, yeah, I keep seeing peace and gentleness and love. That's why I just keep seeing that. And that's so much what I want to be as a mother, and yet how often... Does it go the other way? Do we fall short? We fall mm-hmm. short, we, but we get back up. <laughs> yep, we try it again. Try, try again. Let's go on to question number two. Jesus wants Mary and all Christians to share in this mediation through obedience, faith, hope, and burning charity. If you read paragraph number 61 in Lumen Gentium, these four will be made easier and secure through Marian consecration. Which of the four is most difficult for you now? Which is the easiest now? For whom or for what circumstances in your life are these virtues of mediation most important? So the four that we're looking at are obedience, faith, hope, and burning charity. So does anything jump out at you, ladies? Well, I think right away that, you know, these are the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity, and that we are infused with these by our baptism, and then reinfused at confirmation, so that all of these things are just waiting to explode if we allow them to be unleashed, but so often we just paralyze it. Um, when you think of the different ones, I mean, I think of maybe someone that may be going through an illness with either themselves or a family member, and maybe they're a caregiver, and I think of hope. Mm. Hope just is that word that people mm-hmm. hang on to and have to hang on to. What What about the word obedience, though? I know that's a really tough word in oh, 21st century it, America. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny story to share on that one. I'm working as as a as one of the assistants in the preparation for the confirmation group, and we had what's called a Super Saturday event a couple of weeks weekends ago. And a question came up for the candidates that they needed to ponder. And it was funny. They were supposed to, they, they heard the question. They were supposed to take a few minutes and, and meditate on it. And it was one that I just, I felt this strong tug in my heart. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to be obedient right now. I don't want to think about that. So obviously there's something there that I need to be working on. And, and doesn't it happen throughout our day? You know, I don't, I don't want to mm-hmm. stop at that stop sign. I want to roll through yes. it. You know, little, <laughs> little things. I want to drive a little faster mm-hmm. than that uh, posted speed limit. We kind of have this autonomous attitude, I think, that we kind of want to do things our own way. So obedience is definitely it, one of the words that jumped out on at me. But also... It's funny, though, as, as you compare it to the, to the you know, traffic violations... Both of them are for our good. That's right. Both of them will benefit us if we obey, even though we're like little kids. I don't want to do that. And, and think about it, Mary. The, picture. the speed limit is not 30 miles an hour 
to make Julie late again for picking up her children. (laughs) (laughs) The speed limit is 30 miles an hour because there's a lot of cars on that road and everyone needs to go at that speed to have the best safety for everyone involved. Yes. But that's not usually how we're thinking about it. (laughs) You know, it is, you know, it was Mm -hmm. completely not my fault that I was late again, by the way, just throwing that out there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, you know, one of the words that jumped out at me as we're looking at these, uh, this little quote from Women Gentium is the burning charity. Faith, hope, and, and love. Love is charity. That's the same thing. But burning, that adjective really got me. I, I think sometimes I'm just so half-hearted. There's a little bit of love there, but I think that's where we need to call into the Holy Spirit, the spouse of Mary, to fly, uh, what is that, fan into flames? And maybe it's a good time to recall back from a week ago with Blessed Mother Teresa and how she said, I thirst. And until you know that thirst, how can you see it in the eyes of the poor? And burning charity to me, and I find that probably the most difficult for me now, just that burning love um, is, is something that I is number one on my list for just conversion of just being able to see the needs of others in a world that's so busy that we don't seem to have time for others um, and to be able to drop things and just show that love and charity to our neighbor. You know, just, just last night I had a situation where I was trying to get a project done. I was working and these kids, they want to eat dinner every single day. It's just amazing. What's wrong with these kids? Uh, every single day, you know, three thirty, four o'clock, they start. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? And uh, as, right. as I've shared, I'm not a good cook. I, I don't really enjoy <laughs> cooking, but I had actually had a plan for dinner last night, but I was so in my own little world of what I was doing that I came out and made the most spiteful dinner I think I have ever made. And yet I was uh, this morning as, as I was really reflecting on it, I was thinking every day I tell the Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do what you want Mm -hmm. me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. And when I think in terms of going where you want me to go, I think of big goings. You know, I'll go evangelize somewhere. I'll go to a conference. I'll do a podcast. And I just (laughs) felt him saying in my heart, would you go to the kitchen and make dinner? And I was just cut to the heart, you know, on, on my lack of obedience in my vocation to my children and cooking dinner and how that should be a thing of joy and in obedience to my vocation and with burning charity, not with a big dash of indifference, right? Right. That's going to wrap up our first two questions for today on day 23 as we prepare for consecration to our Lord through Our Lady. We will be back with questions three and four from the 33 Days to Morning Retreat Companion on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. We are on questions three and four of our retreat companion. Question number three on page 98 reads, By this point in the preparation, we should realize Mary's important motherly role in our spiritual lives and what a gift it is to entrust ourselves to her. Why do you suppose God has brought you at this point in your life to make or renew this consecration to Jesus through Mary? What mediation between you and God might need that motherly hand of Mary right now? I can only imagine how many of your listeners that wherever they are right this second and why they have felt this calling Mm -hmm. to pick up this book or to listen to this podcast. And as I've talked to several people that have actually been doing the consecration during this podcast, it's just beautiful to hear the different stories of how God tugs on their shoulder and they respond, they receive Mm -hmm. his message. And that is just such an exciting thing to be, you know, in faith on this faith journey together. It's true. Everyone, I, and, I, and you all know, I work with a lot of groups all over the nation uh, getting these 33 Days to Morning Glory groups started. So many times uh, I'll kind of feel like, hey, why don't you do the consecration? And then I immediately feel like, oh, I'm asking so much. But it's amazing when you hear back from the different people who have consecrated what God is doing in their life and specifically how Our Lady is entering in. And so the question is asking, you know, at this point, we're at day 23 of 33s. We're, we're in this pretty good. We're in our third Marian saint with John Paul II. What is it in your own heart that you feel like you now may be starting to realize or catch a glimpse of, gosh, I know why I'm doing this right now? I had a beautiful woman uh, from a neighboring parish who I gave the book to a couple of years ago. She came up to me during the consecration and just in tears. She had had a difficult relationship with her own mother and her mother had recently passed away and she was reading the consecrate, the preparation for consecration. And it was like everything became clear that God was giving her this beautiful gift of our lady right at this time when she felt so desolate and so abandoned. And, and that's, that's probably a pretty strong example. Some people might just be feeling it on a, on a, a level of, gosh, I just need help in my daily living, and and Mary's here for me. And when you kind of contemplate what a mother's role is, whether our mother's alive, whether our mother was not a, a perfect role model, we can be motherly figures even to others by just, if you just were to take a list of the characteristics Mm -hmm. that make up what you feel a mother should be. And then we look at those characteristics and see Mary and how she's been um, portrayed in the scriptures. And all of it just causes us to be able to grow in how we care for our friends and family, um, certainly our children. That's why, uh, that's that's the personal part of this question, what mediation between you and God might need the motherly hand of Mary right now. That one for me, I mean, I have five children, and they range in age from 17 to 4, and everything in between. So you've got teenage issues, you've got little kid issues, you've got middle-of-the-road issues, and they all require a different level of motherly care. So I need all of it, I guess is the answer for me. Right. I think of other... And we need... I think of other role models we've had in our lives that have those motherly attributes. Think of the wonderful nuns that maybe taught us in school or or just the secular teachers that we've had, how many of those women have been 
motherly influences on us and and what are those attributes and that's really something to kind of look at what are those attributes because those are what we want to grow in and ask our lady to take us to our lord for those graces that we need let's move on to question number four mary through your maternal intercession brings you grace and mercy and leads you to her son and the salvation he has won for us what aspects of your life need her gifts of grace and mercy right now ask her for those gifts This one's kind of personal. This is personal. And we've said it many times that uh, the three of us are certainly not theologians. We're we're laywomen who are seeking to learn more about our faith and grow closer to Jesus through Mary. And so some of these things that we are sharing personal are just that. And I think our listeners probably know it by now if they've been keeping up with it all the different days. But for each of us, the answer to this particular question is, is going to be very different of what we need mm-hmm. right now in terms of grace and mercy. And I think on every single day of our life, if we look close enough, we sure need more grace and, and more mercy. For me right now, one of the examples I can give is one of our children is, is having a hard time in school. And I was really just struck by that image of how Mary, uh, Our Lady of Grace, the image where her hands are outstretched, below her waist and the graces are coming out of them. And I was thinking, oh, please just dump, dump, pour those graces on our, our child who needs help with the schoolwork. And I even had this image like of me running after it, like carrying buckets, like, let me fill these buckets up because I need to even store more. And that's the key, Julie. Ask, ask, ask. Yes. Uh, we're, we're asked to ask, seek, knock, very high. ASK, yeah, yeah. Matthew 7, 7, yeah. We are asking for these graces that Mary has for us. It's almost like when you say you know, to your child, why didn't you just ask me? I would have done it for you. Why didn't you just ask? And that's part of our problem, I think, sometimes, is that we just don't want to ask. We know that, oh, I'm not worthy. I couldn't possibly. Why would Mary want to bestow these graces on me? I have no role in the kingdom. Well, that's that's just the, the devil trying to plan a lie. And it's not true. We each have our role, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can totally relate to the to the need and the graces in, in a maternal aspect. My kids are a little bit older. I have one that's a senior this year, one that's a sophomore in college, and one that's four years into the military. So for them, they're all at that stage that they're making their own decisions and their faith becomes their own. So you really, you know, I feel like my, my prayer life and, and the desire for the grace is just for them to stay on track and stay faithful and to, to avoid the, the dangers that are out there spiritually. It's, it's overwhelming sometimes when you think about it. Well, that must be a very challenging time. I know you and Julie both have children that have left the nest and are out there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm following in your footsteps. I mean, what words of wisdom, as far as I'm sure you're, you're praying more because you're, that daily interaction is less. But, I mean, any, any words of, of advice? Well, one thing I tell people all the time is uh, when my oldest son went to college, I'll never forget meeting another mom there who was taking her child to college. And she said something to the effect of, well, you know, I know he's not going to go to church anymore because he's here, but I can't do anything about that because, you know, he's grown up now. This is an 18-year-old she's talking about. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking and then subsequently learning a lot more about this. We never stop being parents. 
We don't say, right. oh, you're 18 or you're 21 or you're 37 or you're 59, you know, however long we're alive as parents. We don't ever stop being parents. Now, do we treat an 18-year-old the same way we treat a 4-year-old? No. But I think as a mother, and, and this is what Mary does in our life to bring the tie-in, is she wants to always be guiding us at that next level of our development, at that next stage of life. And as parents, we do the same. You know, we'll, we'll talk to our kids, specifically on the mask thing, for instance. You know, Bob a lot of times will call him up on Saturday and say, hey, remember to get to mask tomorrow. Make, make a plan that that happens for you. Or, or different things like that. And, of course, the more uh, immediate needs, we're always, you know, helping them out with uh, different issues with their finances mm-hmm. to pay for things or their job situations mm-hmm. if they're the ones that are in college. And, and it never stops. We, we keep on parenting in a different way, and we rely much more as we are letting go. We're teaching our children to rely on God more so that it, the dependence is not on us but on Him. I find that communicating little reminders via text is a non-aggressive way of doing it. But yet it's it's that little seed being planted, you know, during Lent, a simple little text. Remember, it's Friday, no meat today. Yes. <laughs> because I remember myself just forgetting, even, you know, in recent years, just forgetting because you get so in tuned into your life. And so a little reminders or even something, you know, did you pre-read today's, you know, readings for the mass or just send them a link in a text message? Here's today's mass readings, that little nudge, mm-hmm. that little nudge that, that, that will make them make the right choices. And, and I like what you're saying, Mary, about being proactive, because Bob and I have really tried to do that, too. It, it's not so much, did you go to mass yesterday on Sunday? Because that's setting mm-hmm. you up for an argument or an an ugly kind of exchange, possibly. Mm -hmm. But on Saturday, saying, hey, remember to go. I I think that little word of encouragement and and, and entrustment of them Mm -hmm. is is much better. And the same thing with your text messages, like not saying, hey, you didn't eat a hamburger day on Friday (laughs) (laughs) after the fact, you know. And and in a world of, like, Mm -hmm. podcasts such as this, I mean, it's so easy with, you know, they all have smartphones that, you know, they may Mm -hmm. be encountering something, maybe at college or something, I'm sure, that you can just say, oh, let me forward that one right to them, and you can send the link, and I guess they could listen. And I know Lighthouse has downloads for the youth that are just a subscription where they could get it monthly with a great talk, and I'm sure that that would be the things that I'll probably continue to do when they start leaving the home. We have to just keep feeding ourselves, ourselves, our kids, the whole way, the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. If we're not fed, we can't live it. We need that grace. So it's exciting that we're getting so much during this consecration. Yes, you know, there was one other thing I want to address. We don't have much time left, though, in the segment. I think the other area where it's common for a lot of people across all walks of life is when you get into the work world or in especially in parish life, dealing with just the different personalities and, and the conflicts that can arise because everybody comes from a different place. So having the wisdom and the grace to handle all of those situations properly to not offend, but at the same time to not to not be weak in standing up for what needs to be said. That's a tough one, I think, for a lot of people. Great example of where we need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen. Yes, absolutely. Amen. That is going to wrap up our questions for today from our retreat companion. As we complete day number 23 in the 33 days to morning glory, that means just 10 days left. Stay tuned. More to come with Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. 
continue on day 23 of consecration preparation. Let's take a look at what St. Louis de Montfort was doing on this day of his preparation. This comes from the book, True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, paragraphs 120 through 121. It's entitled, Nature of Perfect Devotion to the Blessed Virgin, or Perfect Consecration to Jesus Christ. As all perfection consists in our being conformed, united, and consecrated to Jesus, it naturally follows that the most perfect of all devotions is that which conforms, unites, and consecrates us most completely to Jesus. Now, of all God's creatures, Mary is the most conformed to Jesus. It therefore follows that of all devotions, devotion to her makes for the most effective consecration and conformity to him. The more one is consecrated to Mary, the more one is consecrated to Jesus. That is why perfect consecration to Jesus is but a perfect and complete consecration of oneself to the Blessed Virgin, which is the devotion I teach. In other words, it is perfect renewal of the vows and promises of holy baptism. This devotion consists of giving oneself entirely to Mary in order to belong entirely to Jesus through her. It requires us to give our body with its senses and members, our soul with its faculties, our present material possessions and all we shall acquire in the future, our interior and spiritual possessions, that is our merits, virtues, and good actions of the past, present, and future. In other words, we give her all that we possess, both in our natural life and in our spiritual life, as well as everything we shall acquire in the future in the order of nature, of grace, and of glory in heaven. This we do without reservation, not even a penny, a hair, or the smallest good deed, and we give for all eternity without claiming or expecting in return for our offerings and our service, any other reward than the honor of belonging to our Lord through Mary and in Mary. Even though Mary, our mother, were not, as in fact she always is, the most generous and appreciative of all of God's creatures. We continue with the prayer to the Litany of the Holy Ghost, followed by the Litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as we listen to Donna Corey Gibson's version of this, let's meditate on the discussion questions from our 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat Companion. Question number one. Mediators stand between persons or parties to bring unity and agreement. They speak to each side, clarify issues, seek concessions, and urge acceptance for each. With whom and in which relationship do you act as a mediator? Or do you avoid such a role? And if so, why? Are you successful in these attempts to bring unity to two friends, co-workers, or family members? What role does mercy or charity play in your mediations? And question number two. Jesus wants Mary and all Christians to share in this mediation through obedience, faith, hope, and burning charity. Which of these four is most difficult for you now? Which is easiest now? For whom or for what circumstances in your life are these virtues or mediations most important?
Corey Gibson. You can find her music at DonnaCoreyGibson.com. Next up is going to be Marion Grace singing Ave Maria Stella. While we listen to this song, let's think about questions three and four from our retreat companion today. By this point in the preparation, we should realize Mary's important role, motherly role in our spiritual lives, and what a gift it is to entrust ourselves to her. Why do you suppose God has brought you at this point in your life to make or renew the consecration to Jesus through Mary? What mediation between you and God might need the motherly hand of Mary right now? Mary, through her maternal intercession, brings you grace and mercy and leads you to her son and the salvation he has won for us. What aspects of your life need her gifts of grace and mercy right now? Ask her for those gifts. Hey, bright star of ocean, God's own mother blessed ever since.
still 